engine running. Liftoff. We have a liftoff. The rain continues to spiral in and out of the area. There's another wave coming. It won't be here for several more hours. The heaviest stuff down to the north of us. Uh, headed back down uh, into Alabama, but more circling around. Just a mess. Uh, got me out of a base, a Little League baseball game tonight, though. They had to cancel. It was the championship game. My kids' team is the Braves, and it's one winning Braves team. Um, there is rain south of the city right now. Uh, scattered showers throughout the area. Just make sure your headlights are on if it's raining in your area. We've got to talk about uh, the North Korean situation. The North Koreans are withdrawing from peace talks with South Korea to protest a uh, American military exercise with the South Koreans. We've been doing these exercises with the South Koreans since 1953. 1953. Think about that for a moment, if you will. They've been going on for a long time. Um, and it, it, everyone should expect it. I was negative 22 years old then. 22 years before I was born. Um, my goodness gracious. That's, yes, uh, I'm not that old. Um, it makes me, I, my wife and I were just having a conversation the earlier, earlier today that yes, we're old. Well, we're not that old, but nonetheless, uh, so 1953, we started these exercises with the South Koreans. We've been doing them ever since the North Koreans know about them. That's why you can't believe anything. The North Koreans say, uh, about peace there, the disarming, the getting rid of their nuclear program, any of that stuff, none of it. Um, and I think that we will see if we have a meeting in Singapore with the president. Wouldn't surprise me if it got canceled at the last minute by the North Koreans. I saw a friend of mine uh, earlier today tweeted the old joke about North Korea with the Russians trust but verify with the North Koreans. It's distrust, verify and verify again. Looks like uh, we are going to be heading for potential problems with the North Koreans. We also... Well, we don't, uh, but Israel does have problems with the American media. Uh, the just outright lying from the press about the situation in Israel. Y'all, it, is, it is not a coincidence that when the names have been put forward of the people who were killed by Israelis, they were all Hamas terrorists. I think it is worth noting that there's been no violence in the West Bank. The West Bank, um, that territory uh, around Jerusalem where the Palestinians claim is theirs, they're, they're in a big protest in the West Bank. There's not a protest in the, the Palestinian settlements in Jordan. There are no protests on the Lebanese border. There are no protests on the Egyptian border. It's all coming out of Gaza. Oh, Siri, stop it. Um, all of the protests are coming out of Gaza. Why Gaza? Because in Gaza, Hamas, a terrorist group, controls the area. And Hamas has organized people to try to storm the Israeli border. And what can Israel do? You have violent people backed by a terrorist group, trying to storm the border. Are you supposed to just take it? Are you supposed to let them in? Particularly when they want to come disrupt a, a ceremony for the moving of the American embassy, just let them come in. Hey, y'all, backed by terrorists, come on over. I don't think so. 
But there's a larger point here that really, really needs to be made, and no one's making it in the media because of the media, and that's the point. Y'all, the American media are not being duped by Hamas propaganda. They're not being fooled. They're willful accomplices to a terrorist group. The national American media are willful accomplices. There is a video I put up. You can go to theresurgent.com and see it of a Palestinian protester on crutches walking towards the border. He gets up there with a crowd of his friends and lets go of the crutches and is walking around just fine, dancing around even. But when he knows that the uh, cameras are on him, he's hobbling along. Which reminds me, Ari Fleischer, the Bush White House press secretary, reminded me of this actually. um, That several years ago, the Palestinians in Gaza staged a funeral for a man they said the Israelis had killed. You have actual American reporters covering this, covering this. And they show the casket and they show the mourners. The flag, the Palestinian flag is on the coffin and they show the mourners walking through the city. They show the body of the man in the casket killed by the Israelis. And the casket tips over and the body falls out of the casket. And do you know what happens? Do you know what happens on television? On television, live, reporters, American reporters covering this funeral. They've covered it. You have seen the dead body. You have seen the funeral procession. You have seen the crying widow and families. And one of the the pallbearers trips and the casket falls and the body spills out on the ground. And you know what the Palestinians do? Nothing. Why? Because the dead man gets up and walks. It's a miracle. It's a miracle. Hallelujah. I mean, seriously, folks, I'm not making this up. This actually happened. You had American reporters covering live this procession and a pallbearer trips and the casket falls and this dead body, the man gets up and, and walks. And American reporters were useful, willful accomplices to, accomplices to that in the same way they're accomplices to this. As the Israelis pointed out, they're not shooting to kill people. They're shooting people in the legs who are climbing the fence. To the extent that people have died, it does appear that they have been targeted by the Israelis because they actually are terrorists. But the American media has a bias. And that bias is for the Palestinians and against the Israelis, but more particularly, it is a bias against this president. It is, listen, I I am a a critic of this president. It is well known I am a critic of this president. And even I can see the media bias against this president. And I do my best to defend him when I think it is appropriate. And this is one of those appropriate times when Bill Clinton and George Bush and um, Barack Obama and George H.W. Bush and Ronald Reagan all said they wanted to move the embassy to Jerusalem. President Trump actually did it. And it's a very interesting juxtaposition between President Trump and President Obama opening an embassy in in Cuba when the express legislated American policy was not to and the president defied Congress to do it. The, the juxtaposition between the two and how the media handled it is quite amazing 
just an show this media bias. This is controversial, moving from Jerusalem to Tel Aviv. See, we begin this morning with an historic moment in relations between the United States and Cuba. Is that the move, this very controversial move, which clearly is a blow to Palestinians. It was a real historic day, steeped in symbolism. Not only did the national anthem play. Underlining just how controversial this embassy move is. Reopened, rather, U.S. Embassy in Havana for the historic moment. And right now, the ceremony for that embassy opening, which is highly controversial. Secretary of State John Kerry about his historic trip to Havana. On that incredibly tense issue of Jerusalem's final status. Historic moment this morning, the raising of the American flag over the U.S. Embassy in Cuba. In many ways, today is all about controversy, faith, and history. Now to the historic moment that is set to unfold in Cuba a little bit later this morning. The U.S. Embassy making its official and quite controversial move where the American flag is flying over the U.S. Embassy in Havana for the first time in more than half a century, the latest on this historic day. Why would the White House, in the middle of what they already know is controversial, choose someone controversial? And for now, we leave you with just some of the sights and sounds of this historic day here in the Cuban capital. Yeah, when Barack Obama did it in defiance of actual long-held American policy and congressional law, it was historic. Pay no attention to the president doing something Congress had specifically said not to. When, when Donald Trump did something that Congress had specifically said the president should do, it's controversial. There is another example of media bias in all of this. The media doesn't like the president, but the media also doesn't like Israel. And the media certainly doesn't like the idea of the American embassy in Jerusalem, despite it being the historic stated capital of Israel. Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure you wanted to know that um but it actually works and i don't break out uh so i highly do recommend dollar shave club i have been a dollar shave club member for well gosh i was a lawyer it's been a long time since i've you how long have they been around? i don't know anyway they've been around forever um solid solid company great people great idea too they were the first you got all these other competitors out there and they were the first to come out and say you know what we can beat the other guys so a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric.
It is 26 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. Quick check of the radar for you. In the Stockbridge area, right near where 675 and 75 split off, uh, there is some heavy rain over to the interstate and towards Jonesboro. Uh, otherwise, there's just light rain in the area. But again, it, it's circling back. Uh, and also, if you're up in the North Georgia area, there's some heavy rain up there. And again, it's it's this is a, a tropical system, and so it's moving counterclockwise. And so the heavy rain is over in the Augusta and Athens area, and it's looping around into the Atlanta area. So just be careful out there if you're on the interstate. Get your headlights on. Um, there will be more rain circling through the area tonight and into tomorrow as well. A cheesecake Factory in Miami. A cheesecake factory like the happiest place on earth outside of Disney World. Employees at a Miami Cheesecake Factory intimidated a black Trump supporter dining at the Cheesecake Factory solely for wearing a red MAGA hat, the, the Make America Great Again hat. Eugenio Joseph is 22. He's a Trump supporter. Uh, told the Daily Wire uh, that he went to Mother's Day lunch with his girlfriend's family and a dozen employees at the Cheesecake Factory verbally attacked and made threatening gestures at him for wearing the hat. A woman who reportedly worked at the eatery spotted Joseph and approached him as he sat at his table, and she began pointing at his hat and gesturing for other employees to come over, and they harassed the guy. You know, so if Joseph were in, in New York in particular, if Joseph happened to be a Christian baker, he would be forced to bake a cake for a uh, wedding that he, he disagreed with religiously, but he doesn't have to get bar service for wearing Trump supporter paraphernalia, which is crazy. The, the double standards, we are increasingly in this country allowing um, minorities in the country to dominate the majority, and I don't mean that as, as a racial statement, um, but you've got the left in this country dominating conservatives they can throw them out of their restaurant if they want uh, for wearing something that is pro donald trump and yet the the gay person can compel the christian to bake the cake for them um it's it just absolutely insane the the juxtaposition in this country of, of who has power and who doesn't and how hated people are comfortably hating on people who voted for donald trump it's just it's insane what's happening and that's why he's going to win re-election by the way It is 39 after the hour. Eric Erickson here. The phone number 404-872-0750-1800 WSB Talk. Luckily, I may be able to step away from staring at the radar here uh, for the next hour or so because uh, there is heavy rain further south and towards Augusta. But in the metro area now, there's some light showers on the south side, the Sonoya area down near the airport and even actually in Midtown right now. But there's just not a ton of showers uh, later tonight, though, and tomorrow there will be. So stick with WSB, please. Uh, traffic in the morning, we're probably going to have rain then. So um, stick around. Uh, I forgot to read a tweet earlier, and I actually did want to read this tweet. Um, on NPR, Steve Inskeep interviewed a, someone from Gaza who had a kite with a SWAT sticker on it and what it means to him. The man from Gaza said, the Jews go crazy when you mention Hitler. 
And so Steve Inskeep asked the guy, he says, you know, the Israelis are using the SWAT stickers to discredit you guys. What do you say to that? And the man from Gaza replies, it's what we mean. We want them to burn. I mean, Inskeep is trying to be gracious to this guy and say, you know, I mean, you guys are getting a bad rap from this, this SWAT sticker. I mean, what do you say to that? He's like, oh, we want them to burn. I mean, there's some there. At least the guy is being honest, but but wow, I mean, and yet the media routinely falls for propaganda from these people. Now, uh, one group of people who do not appear, by and large, to be falling for propaganda is the Senate. Gina Haspel has the votes to become the CIA director. Enough Democrats have come forward to join with Republicans to support her. That is a good thing. Um, she's going to get Joe Donnelly support. She is going to get uh, Mark Warner's support from Virginia. She's going to get Heidi Heitzkamp's support from North Dakota. And the interesting thing here is that this is hurting uh, Heidi Heitzkamp with Democrats in North Dakota who are upset with her for doing this, but she is deeply worried about losing. So it just... I. She's going to become the CIA director. John McCain's influence is on the wane. It is. And that reminds me, I need to just say another word about this White House story that the media is refusing to let go of about Kelly Sadler, someone you have never heard of, who said something about John McCain. I am led to believe this afternoon that contrary to the way the media cast this, uh, Sadler was just speaking bluntly. She wasn't trying to... tell a joke. She wasn't trying to be demeaning, but they're in a White House communications meeting about um, Gina Haspel. And the issue of John McCain tweeting his opposition to Gina Haspel comes up and Kelly Sadler says that they're not worried about John McCain. He's not going to be back in the Senate. He's dying. And the correct interpretation should not have been she was trying to be mean to John McCain, but that she was just bluntly speaking the truth. And she is, by the way, John McCain is not returning to the U.S. Senate because he has brain cancer and he is dying. And that is a fact. He is trying to hold on to June so that there need be no special election in Arizona until 2020 for his seat. But he's dying. And the media can't let go of this. That they, they, they think it's demeaning and whatnot. And they're trying to avoid the big story. In fact, I saw Chris Zaliza, uh, I mean, the Pope of conventional wisdom in Washington, is out saying, oh, the, the, the Trump administration is trying to, di- trying to divert from this and focus on the s- leaks and how bad the leaks are. Y'all, that is the story here. This is a meeting of White House staffers having a meeting and someone leaks who it is, or, or it leaks what Kelly or Kelly Sadler said. It was a leak from the White House communication shop. We know it wasn't Kellyanne Conway because several people said she came in after Sadler had made the comment. We know it wasn't Sadler, and we know it wasn't uh, Sarah Sanders, who wasn't there at the time either. There are only a handful of people it could have been. I suspect I know who it is uh, based on several conversations with reporters. No, I'm, I'm not going to say it because uh, I'm not sure and don't want to 
if I'm mistaken, don't want to harm this person, but I'm, I've got a sneaking suspicion I know who it is, uh, eventually I suspect we will get there. But nonetheless, the media can't let go of this slight on John McCain. I'm sorry. I distinctly remember Donald Trump on a stage saying that he didn't like people who had been captured against John McCain, refused to apologize for it. What do you expect coming out of this White House? This is just in accord with what the White House says. Another's outraged. She's not fired. Of course, she's not going to be fired for that. And by the way, it does also turn out the media probably mischaracterized what she was saying uh, for their own gain against the president. She was just stating a matter of fact that the White House didn't need to get spun up about what John McCain was saying because he's not going to be there. He's not going to vote. I want to spend the next hour focused on Georgia news. There's been an anonymous mail piece that's going on attacking Hunter Hill and Clay Tippins. People are blaming Casey Cagle for it. I don't actually think Casey Cagle's behind it. And then Michael Williams has a deportation bus. But I want to talk about all those things. In a, a secretive group trying to beat conservatives who are already in the legislature. Um, they're targeting Sherry Gilligan uh, with a woman who I think just based on her statements is deeply misleading people in North Georgia as she tries to beat Sherry Gilligan. We'll get into that. But hey, I want to let you guys know, I know we have a lot of listeners in the Brazelton, Hushton area. I'm going to be at the Hushton train depot on Friday. We're not doing a live broadcast. Uh, and the reason we're not doing a live broadcast is I'm actually going to an event for my buddy Sam Thomas. He's running for the state house. Uh, he asked me to, to come over there and speak on his behalf at the train depot. I would love to see you guys if you want to come. We're not doing a show, though. The reason we're not doing a show is whether the station has it or not, I have a policy where I do not like to do live broadcasts um, where I'm going for a political thing. And the reason I don't is because I found if I were to do that, everyone else would want to do it. And so I just say, nope, not going to do it. Um, but I do want to go help Sam Thomas. He's running over in Jackson County. And um, so the Hushton area, Jefferson, Commerce, and if you want to, guys want to swing by 7 o'clock uh, at the Hushton Train Depot, I've never been over there. Uh, apparently a nice place. Excited to go. Uh, it'll be Friday night at 7 o'clock. And if you live over there, you should be voting for him anyway. $12 million. $12 million. Sound like Dr. Evil. Except it should be billion. Um, although he would say million. $12 million. That's the amount of money spent on TV ads thus far combined, uh, Democrat and Republican, uh, for the Georgia uh, Democratic and President, or President, Democratic and Republican gubernatorial nominations. The seven candidates have poured more than $12.7 million into a burst of TV and radio ads ahead of the primary. That comes to more, and there's more to come as the contenders dig deeper to war chest totaling $22 million. Casey Cagle is the biggest spender so far. Uh, $4.3 million ads touting education and economic agenda. Um, I would note that he has not... Uh, gone out to bash his opponents, and I really do not believe that that uh, attack mail piece on Hill and Tippins is a Kegel mail piece for reasons I'll get into in the next hour. Um, he also has an additional million helping him from an outside group. Uh, Stacey Evans has spent $1.3 million. Uh, Stacey Abrams has spent 500000 
Um, Brian Kemp has spent 1.5 million. Hunter Hill and Clay Tippins have spent about a million each. And I, I got this line rubs me the wrong way. Uh, a fifth candidate, State Senator Michael Williams, is also in the race. If pay no attention to him, he's got an ad up on TV. He's been spending ads on radio. Um, and maybe the AJC doesn't have data on Williams spending yet because it's been so late in the campaign. Uh, another mistake, I think, on the Williams campaign part to wait so long. Um, they should have been doing it much sooner than that. But I just a fifth candidate, State Senator Michael Williams, is also in the race. I, the AJC has several times, and I, I don't think there's any in intention there, but I just, it, it seems like they, they've been rather dismissive in their coverage of Michael Williams, um, rightly or wrongly. Um, but I will talk about that a little more in the next hour as he has a deportation bus. And you need to stick around because some conservatives in the legislature need your help as the Chamber of Commerce is trying to beat them with a bunch of crony capitalists who will side with the speaker on all sorts of matters you wouldn't want people voting for. Good evening and welcome back. It's Eric Erickson here. It is nine after the hour. Rain still in the area. More rain coming. Please stick around here um, as we try to fill you in and keep you up to date on what's going on. Um, I, I want to get into some of the local stuff because this has flown under the radar. There haven't been any, really any AJC reports on it uh, or anything else. Um, and I, there is a group that is affiliated with the Chamber of Commerce. I have talked about them before, and it is under the radar trying to take out a number of conservatives in the state legislature. They have recruited uh, liberal and moderate um, crony capitalist Republicans to take out Republicans. And I I do mean that uh, genuinely. For example, uh, a great example of this is a lady named Joanna Cloud. She's running for Sherry Gilligan's seat. State House District 24 up in Forsyth County. Um, Joanna Cloud is on social media blasting Sherry Gilligan for her votes, saying that uh, there would have been a big state uh, development up in that area or related to a college, but it was denied for that area because Sherry Gilligan voted against the leadership. So, so the district is not getting your state dollar, tax dollars because a conservative is being punished. So the way to fix this is to throw out the conservative and allow her in. And, and I got to tell you, um, <clears throat> I, I saw her Facebook post that she put up on this, and she says that she's received over $6,000 in campaign contributions. This is Joanna Cloud. $6,000 in campaign contributions from other current Republican state House members from other areas of our state some of whom I've never even met before. Now, that's interesting because I pulled up her uh, state ethics disclosures and she doesn't list any of them. And at $6,000, you know, you've got to disclose any donation over $100. And we're in the period of time where you've got to disclose everything. You raise over $1,000 within 48 hours and they're not there. So either she's lying on her disclosures or she's lying to voters already. I mean, she'd fit in perfectly with the the chamber crowd in the state legislature who repeatedly lies to people, telling them how how conservative they are. Um, But that just if you got six thousand dollars, unless you got six thousand dollars from basically every other member of the state house other than Sherry Gilligan, uh, Democrats and Republicans alike, then okay, maybe. 
Um, but no, that I, I, I highly doubt that. Um, but so you've got this Joanna Cloud woman who's running against the conservative Sherry Gilligan, claiming that uh, that their part of the state would get more of your tax dollars, uh, more state welfare, basically, uh, if only there was not a conservative representing that area. That's that's her primary campaign, is that Sherry Gilligan is so conservative that their area of the state isn't getting welfare dollars, um, crony capitalist dollars from the state. You've also got David Stover as a solid conservative, uh, who is also being attacked by the same group. You got Matt Gertler up in North Georgia being attacked by him. Uh, Marty Harbin is being attacked by him as well. It is a chamber of commerce group coming after people. And interestingly enough, one of the things that they're, they're subtly going after them for is, is not voting for um, tax credits for private corporations coming into Georgia, among other things. Uh, that's one of the grievances that the crony capitalists have against these guys. So, uh, if you're out there in North Georgia, Matt Gertler, and then there's David Stover, Sherry Gilligan, Marty Harbin. These are all the conservatives the chamber is lining up to try to beat right now. Um, and then, of course, you've got guys like Greg Dozal up in Forsyth County, um, who is is being attacked by a lot of the same people. Uh, you've also got Ken Pullen down in the uh, Upson County area. Uh, you got Sam Thomas over in the Brazelton area. All these guys being attacked by these crony capitalists who essentially their argument is that we got to get rid of the conservatives because we've got to give your tax dollars away to private corporations to attract them to Georgia, among other things. Um, hey, I think you know what to do out there. I, I just I really got to do this whole scorecard thing. I really do. By the way, speaking of Greg Dozol up in Forsyth County, good guy. He is running for the state Senate to replace Michael Williams. Uh, Michael Williams has a deportation bus now. He's going on a deportation bus tour to talk about illegal immigration. Uh, what is fascinating to me in regard to this, and it's also it's not Michael Williams uh, only. You know, Brian Kemp's got that commercial where he says he's got his his big truck to round up criminal illegals uh, himself and then says, yep, I said that. Um, immigration, by and large, isn't a state issue. It's it's a federal issue. and But it is a state issue that plays real well among the Republican base, even though there isn't a ton to do at the state level on immigration. That's not to say there's nothing. There are some things that can be done. Uh, Josh McCoon, for example, running for Secretary of State, he tried to get a law passed. It was met with opposition. Um, he tried to get a law passed, noting or declaring that people who are illegal aliens in this uh, state uh, can't have, or people who are green card can't have the same driver's license that you and I have. There's got to be a distinction in the look of the driver's license. And of course, Republicans gave lip service, nodding along saying yes, and then actually wouldn't do it. Um, so there, there are some state level things you can do, but there, there aren't a ton. Uh, and it's just, it's interesting to me to see immigration being made to be the big issue. I, I got to tell you, I really do like Michael Williams and that, that's why if I'm, I'm critical, it is a frustration that I think he made a strategic mistake trying to run as mini Trump in this campaign when he has probably the most compelling outside of Clay Tippins, the most compelling uh, biography as a small businessman, getting people back up and running back up and working. Um, he's got a really good biography and I don't think the, the Trump stuff is playing as well as that would, primarily because if you go back to 2016 and look at the major metropolitan counties where much of the Republican primary vote is going to come from, those counties all went for Rubio. 
You had to go to the ex-urban counties and, and the rest of the state to get Trump. And now Trump certainly won the state with that, but we're not going to have presidential primary turnout in that way. The Typically in gubernatorial primaries off your elections, the bulk of the vote comes from the metro area. That is not as favorable to Trump as Williams. But, you know, I, I got to say for Williams as well, he's running, he is running the campaign he set out to do, even if I disagree with him. And I get a little aggravated for him, for example, uh, in the AJC story about the $12 million spent on campaign ads. It goes through all oh, this candidate, this candidate, they're spending this, this. And Michael Williams is also a candidate. Um, you know, Donald Trump was able to get a ton of media attention. And it, to me, really does seem like the press in the metro area is willfully trying to ignore Michael Williams. Um, they they do not talk about him. They, they treat him as an also-ran. And, and yes, I understand what the polling shows. Uh, the AJC polling has him at the bottom of the pack, but everybody's tightly clustered down there. Uh, and I think that Williams, just given who he is, what he's done, his background deserves a little more attention. Uh, even if I'm not a fan of the way he's running his campaign or, or the strategy he's chosen, he's still, I think, a legitimate contender for the office and shouldn't be treated as an also-ran. I suspect he's going to get more attention because of the deportation bus, but I also suspect it's not going to be favorable coverage. Uh, but, you know, maybe uh, all press is good press in their mind. Let me stop for just a minute and promote one of our sponsors. Thanks to Dollar Shave Club for sponsoring this week's show. And, you know, I was actually one of the original members of Dollar Shave Club. Back in the day, I was a lawyer when they came out. They had that awesome ad, and I totally bought into it because I was tired of paying for my razors um, at the grocery store price. It is a great company, and the razors are very, very solid. You go to dollarshaveclub.com, and you can see they got more than just razors, and it's so much better than shopping in a grocery store and you know so i got they sent me a packet before this promo began as if i needed them because i got some um but they got a great razor and they've got great shave cream they've got a body cleanser they even have the one wipe charlie's i'll let you decide whether or not you like them or not but you know it's a great it's a great product uh really really do like it uh their dr carver shave butter is fantastic and given that i am prone to rashes and whatnot i only shave every other day because of it i'm sure Sure you wanted to know that, um, but it actually works and I don't break out. Uh, so I highly do recommend Dollar Shave Club. I have been a Dollar Shave Club member for, well, gosh, I was a lawyer. It's been a long time since I've used, how long have they been? I don't know. Anyway, they've been around forever. Um, solid, solid company. Great people. Great idea too. They were the first. You got all these other competitors out there and they were the first to come out and say, you know what? We can beat the other guys. So a great innovator. You can clean up your bathroom and your morning routine. Join Dollar Shave Club today for just $5. With free shipping, you'll get the six-blade executive razor plus trial sizes of shave butter, body cleanser, one-wipe Charlie's. Then keep the blades coming for a few bucks more a month. Way cheaper than what you'll get at the grocery store, by the way. Get yours at dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric, E-R-I-C-K. That's dollarshaveclub.com slash Eric. A mail piece has gone out in the gubernatorial campaign attacking Hunter Hill and Clay Tippins, um, essentially as two-faced people lying for your vote. Um, Tippins is being described as a con man with no business being governor, which is uh, nonsense. Um, and it's attacking him for being the head of a U.S. division of a 
tech company. Um, I think that proves his credibility. Hunter Hill is being attacked, saying he's not really pro-life, not for guns, uh, was never Trump, um, and then flipped on all those issues. Um, They're pointing the finger at the Kegel camp because the address, the return address on the mailer um, has Kegel, is Kegel's campaign office. I, I got to tell you, I think that Kegel's being blamed for this and that it's not him. Uh, and the reason I think that is the case is because the Kegel camp uh, is fairly certain at this point that Brian Kemp is going to be in the runoff. There's no reason to go after Tippins. Uh, there's no reason to go after Hunter Hill. Uh, and likewise, if it was the Cagle campaign, they would own the attack. I mean, Casey Cagle never backed down from his attacks on Ralph Reed. Uh, never did. I mean, his, he owned the attacks. Uh, he thought they were legitimate attacks. And this doesn't say paid for by Casey Cagle for governor. Just has his address, which to me sounds like it, it, there's somebody out there, another candidate perhaps, trying to cast the blame at Casey Cagle for negative attacks uh, when if it was the Kegel camp, they wouldn't just put their address on there because they would know it was going to get tied back to them. They would put the name again. I mean, go back to 2006, uh, go, go back to the, um, Kegel's, uh, run in what 2000, when was it? 12, not 12, um, 2010, no 14. I'm sorry. Um, I mean, he, he owned, he owned the attacks on the opposition. He owned the attacks. Uh, he wasn't going to run, run from them. And I just, this sounds to me, uh, it's a, it's not a well put together, rather cheap looking attack by someone against Clay Tippins and Hunter Hill. And I just, I got a suspicion that the, the entire part of mail piece with the address was designed to also attack Casey Cagle by making it look like he's going negative. And I, I don't think that's it. I think someone else is involved here. Um, and we will probably find out looking at disclosures as they come out here in a bit who actually was behind it. Um, but I don't believe that this is Cagle going negative because, again, every time Casey Cagle's gone negative in the past, he's been willing to own up to it uh, outright on the mail pieces and, and claiming legitimacy in the attack. So I um, would be dismissive of it. By the way, and, and welcome back, it's 39 after the hour. Um, I One of the reasons, uh, if you're just tuning in, I've been talking about there's a mail piece that's gone out. Um, it doesn't say who paid for it. It doesn't have a paid for by candidate X or candidate's campaign for governor. It just has a return address on it, and the return address happens to be Casey Cagle's campaign office. It attacks Hunter Hill. It attacks Clay Tippins. Uh, maybe somebody trying to help Brian Kemp. If you believe the polling, the three of them are all kind of clustered together in a way, Hunter Hill and Kemp. And I don't know. I just, I, I don't think that it's Casey Cagle's campaign because Cagle has a history of owning the attacks. He doesn't uh, do stuff like this, never has in his campaigns. And they're so far ahead right now in the, um, in the primary, there's no reason to go on the attack. There's no reason for him to spend money on a negative ad like this, but the attacks, uh, I think on, on Hunter Hill and Clay Tippins aren't actually, I mean, they're attack the attacks that I think someone will make on either of them if they were to get into the runoff. But I don't think that they're the best attacks. I mean, let me just defend Clay Tippins here for a minute. He's got a very good track record as a small businessman, as a Navy SEAL. Um, You can attack him on his business record. Certainly, it's fair game. 
but I think Clay Tippins has established himself as a as an upstanding businessman, not as a con man, as this nail piece would let you believe. He's got a very distinct and distinguished record in business. He is a self-made man. He does not have the millions of dollars that people originally believed he had when he jumped into the race. He hasn't been able to self-fund uh, as he thought he was going to be able to self-fund, but he's a good guy. And then as to the Hunter Hill issues, I mean, it's kind of funny looking at some of the stuff. It, it, the attacks on Hunter Hill go back, I mean, close to a decade on him, uh, on state. Like, for example, they're saying um, he, back in 2008, it looks like, on the mail piece, um, he said no law-abiding citizen should be able to carry concealed weapons. Um, he's actually been very clear uh ever since then that he's actually in favor of it. He voted for the campus carry legislation. So his actual votes in the legislature uh, don't line up and, and consistently before he thought about running for governor, his, his votes in the legislature don't line up the way uh, this male piece says um, it, it accuses him of being anti-life. He's actually been very pro-life. He supported religious liberty legislation. He's a pretty conservative guy. Hunter Hill is. Uh, to the extent he hasn't been the aggressive uh, champion of a lot of this legislation, it's because he was running in a buckhead uh, area where he didn't want to... Oh, hey, it looks like Siri is firing on me. He, he was running in a buckhead area that was increasingly Democrat, and he had to be a little guarded. And that does put him in an awkward position because he comes across as a more moderate candidate than some of the others. But it's interesting to me that Ted Cruz and the conservatives in the legislature are lining up behind him. Real hard to say, given these guys, particularly the overwhelming frustration of conservatives in the state house of the state Senate. Let, let's go back to the, the beginning of this hour. I'm talking about the Chamber of Commerce, going after David Stover, Sherry Gilligan, Marty Harbin, uh, Matt Gertler, and, and the like. They're targeting... The conservatives and the leadership in the House and Senate is doing everything they can to beat these conservatives. And there is a seething frustration of conservatives in our state legislature that all of their leaders who claim to be conservative always sell them out. And so I find it really telling that a lot of their strong conservatives in the House and Senate are rallying behind a guy like Hunter Hill, who is being portrayed as not conservative. And yet the conservative guys who are constantly put upon and, and challenged by the establishment, they're lining up behind him. I, I think that speaks volumes as opposed to a male piece going back a decade and saying, oh, a decade ago he said X. Well, how did he vote since then? He voted the right way the whole time. So, you know, this is a perfect segue. I wasn't going to talk about this, but I think I will. Um, so I have mentioned this a couple of times, including just a little while ago, that I really want to put together a scorecard of our legislature in Georgia. Uh, I've been going through the Senate and the House votes, and it really is interesting to me that it, there are some good votes out there that really show you who the conservatives are in the legislature. I mean, take, for example, the law, by the way, the governor signed it into law, the legislation that allows uh, remote traffic um, detect speed detection devices in Georgia. He signed it into law. And when you pull up the votes, uh, it was the conservatives in the state who were opposed to this legislation. 
the the traffic legislation. By the way, there's an argument that this law uh, was improperly passed because it didn't get passed until after midnight, uh, and the legislative session should have adjourned at midnight. It was held over. Uh, the speaker insisted on keeping it open to vote for this particular piece of legislation because the speaker's son was a lobbyist for it, so it could arguably be challenged in court. Um, hopefully someone will, and it was the conservatives who opposed it. The Democrats and the Republican establishment people, they supported this legislation, and I really, really feel more and more strongly I do need to create the scorecard so that instead of having someone run around saying conservative candidate, conservative candidate, conservative candidate, say, you know what, you got a 75% on this objective benchmark of conservatism, therefore you're a bad candidate. Uh, You're not the conservative you claim to be. And I mean, the Chamber of Commerce has a scorecard on on who the crony capitalists are. Might as well have a scorecard on who the actual conservatives are in the state legislature so people actually know and hold these guys accountable. I haven't talked about uh, the legislation to create Eagles Landing. Um, The governor has signed this into law. Uh, It is legislation that would take part of the city of Stockbridge and create a new city of Eagles Landing. Uh, it would be up to a vote of the residents in that area whether or not they want to. I, I'm I'm not sure I like this legislation. And I, I feel badly for the people in the area of Stockbridge because Stockbridge isn't necessarily the most well-managed place. And I get that this legislation could be an incentive for cities to manage themselves better but, I mean, there are bond agencies and, and others that entered into contracts with the city. And you may see um, credit reporting agencies, bond agencies, and, and others be more and more hesitant to do business with Georgia cities when the legislature can say, you know what, we're, we're going to take your more affluent part now and give it to another city and put you in financial hard times. Um that I get the problems, but it seems like there might have been a better way to do this. And I'm just not sure. I mean, this is going to result in a lawsuit, I'm sure, as well. And I'm sure there will be accusations of racism and other things. And I, I'm i very sympathetic to the concerns of the people in Eagles Landing, for sure. Um, particularly those in the area of Stockbridge to be de-annexed, uh, if this vote were to pass, that have been struggling as, as that part of the city has to really shell out the money for the rest of the area. Um Gosh, if I could like have a separate county for where I am, I would be quite happy right now. And that's not going to happen. I just I think we're on dangerous ground when we start taking parts of existing cities and giving them to other cities potentially. Um, that with bond agencies, credit agencies, and the like, I think that's problematic. So we should have not happen, but it has happened. So in any event. Um, I will see you guys tomorrow. If you missed any part of the show, text the word show to 444-999 and I will see you all tomorrow.